Hello, folks, and welcome once again to the greatest podcast in all of junior hockey. We are the podcast to listen to. If you're ever in doubt about which two guys specifically from the state of New Jersey who live about an hour and a half apart across the, uh, the, the New Jersey Parkway, you know, if, that, if those are all the options you're presented, there's really only two guys left. And that's myself and a man who I'm about to introduce, the only man on this podcast whose name resembles the podcast name. It's Dan Kay. Dan, welcome to the show. What is going on, Lucas? It is a huge week. Normally, we've got reviews. We're talking about products. We're doing all these things. No, we are talking hockey this week. We are strictly getting right into it. Down to the details here. This is the big one. The Dan K Show presents junior hockey, as we know from our launch, from our very first episode, has been all about informing players and parents, whether prospective or currently throughout the USPHL landscape, on how to navigate not just the, their junior hockey playing career and their collegiate careers, but this, this crazy year that has been 2020 and, and finding commitments, finding recruitment, and, and how to best navigate that process. Well, today you have the best information session you will get the opportunity to talk with new commissioner of the USPHL, Bob Turo. This is an absolute big one. Listen in, listen up, and pay attention. This is the kind of stuff Lucas does his academic corner each week, right? And he gives you young skaters kind of a glimpse into what you should be doing off the ice to better yourself as a student and a person. These are the moments in life where we want to sit down strap in and take notes because this man here is not just a great business man in the business of hockey, but he has had a role in the creation of some of the greatest talent you watch day in and day out. Joe Thornton, Rick DiPietro, Sidney Crosby, Eric Johnson, Patrick Kane, Steven Stamkos, John Tavares, Taylor Hall. The names are endless. The list keeps going on and on. But now I will stop bloviating, I will stop being verbose, and I will introduce in Commissioner Bob Turo. Mr. Commissioner, how are you doing today? Great, guys. Thanks for having me today. I, I, we are so happy to have you there. Thank you for joining us. I know it, it must be crazy. You have been in this now for about two weeks a crazy year, a crazy landscape, getting everything set up, trying to obviously meet the, the nationwide footprint into Canada as well of the USPHL. I, we start with the free skate where we get to talk about how things are going. First of all, how's it all going so far? How is the, uh, how's, the, how's the process treating you as you get used to the whole landscape? I'm really lucky that the leadership here, um, with, led by Richard Gallant, has just been uh, kind of spoon-feeding me a little bit as we go along. <laughs> I've been able to talk to quite a few owners and general managers and coaches already to get their ideas. Um, I'm, I'm lucky. I mean, the leadership uh, is strong, both at the club level and uh, in the league office. My team that I've uh, been collaborating with already at the league office of 10 they're superstars. So um, they've, they've, they've teed it up for me. They hit it in the middle of the fairway. All I have to do is hit it on the green two putt and win the green jacket, right? 
<laughs> and, hey, first of all, great job. You, you should be on this side of it here. You should be hosting <laughs> this thing, tying in the Masters, right in the Masters week. It's a great lead in now. It, it gives us another social media tag to draw in some more viewers too. But in this, I mean, we talk about kind of the, the USPHL landscape and just how big it all is. And, and one thing that, I, that we talked to you about on the video show this week, and, and I want to talk about now is how you stress the importance of not just the top, right? It, it's about the entire process of the USPHL and making it all a great experience and an incredible generator of collegiate talent and recruitment and commitments. Can you talk a little bit about your, your thoughts on the USPHL premier elite, the NCDC, and just the whole landscape of how this league plays out? So there's a lot, you know, with the NHL watch list coming out and we have some players on it that are playing in the NCDC. It's really easy to focus in on that. But my focus for the last 10 days actually has been on the premier and the elite. And you mentioned education. It's all about education. I mean, in any one birth year, there might be 35 players in North America that are going to play full time in the National Hockey League. It's all about education. And if you're good enough to make it to the NHL, you'll you'll make it. Okay, um, so our, at the premier and elite level, our job is to provide great programs so they can either go to the NCDC and make a Division One commitment, or if that doesn't happen, they can commit to a great school uh, at the uh, at the ACHA level or Division Three hockey. We want to keep all open options open, so that they can set themselves up through hockey for the rest of their lives. Now, obviously, such a successful career in the game of hockey, on the in business itself, and you you look at this USPHL job when it gets posted, and you see this commissioner opening. What was it that drew you to the role? What was the what was the thing that when you looked at this USPHL opportunity, what was what was what were the main things that stood out? Well, I didn't know there was a position available. Quite <laughs> frankly, I um, uh, when the league first started up, um, Richard Gallant and the leadership group brought me in to meetings when they were first talking about doing this as a consultant. And um, I've talked to them over the years, but I really never thought about the position at all. And then I received a call from Peter Masters saying, hey, we have something, but it might be, it might interest you. And, you know, we talked for probably a good two weeks and, um, you know, through that, uh, there were really two things that, uh, that really caught my attention, the leadership of the group. So when I had a, an opportunity to talk to Peter or talk to Richard or meet the executive committee. I knew they were onto something, but it's proven by the second thing, which is seven years of sustained growth, which means the, you know, the league's heading in the right direction. And then, you know, when you follow it up with having the opportunity to talk to not all, but quite a few coaches and general managers and owners, you just know it's going in the right direction. It's still a startup in seven years, really. But I mean, the growth is incredible. And then, like I mentioned before, I've met, I've met all of my staff now at the league office. They're superstars. They're, they're, I'm very fortunate. So they all kind of just fell together over a three-week period, and here we are. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's got to be crazy. I can't imagine. I mean, Luke's and I just covering the whole league. And we've been doing this for years now. 
you know, our heads are always spinning all year long. I can't imagine getting kind of jumping right into it right now with everything going on, but more power to you for just powering through and, and even jumping on with us to do an interview. I guess the next part I want to jump to before I start kicking it over to Lucas for the Q and a, we just did a game this past weekend in Wayne, New Jersey at the NCDC level, Rockets hockey club, Jersey Hitmen, and coach Jason Kersner of the Rockets. You have Jim Hunt and Toby Harris behind the bench for the Hitmen. These two rosters are two of the best rosters I have seen play the game of hockey at the junior hockey level in a long time. This was a lot of, there was a ton of depth. Both coaches talked about the amount of division one talent that was taking the ice that night. And it's spreading throughout this whole NCDC. It seems they were taking huge steps for the last few years. And this year it has been a leap. We even talked with commissioner Dave Peters of the, of the NCDC who he works with the Columbus Blue Jackets and sees NHL talent on a daily basis. And he was floored with the speed, skill, and talent throughout the NCDC this year. Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on the NCDC? And obviously you have a lot of experience with great, talented players. Uh, what's the style of play like been for you? So the truth of the matter is I haven't been able to watch much <laughs> NCDC because some of the events that we've had have, have been canceled because of uh, because of COVID. Now I've seen some games on hockey TV, but it's it, it's not the same. But you you get the impression watching hockey TV that I mean the skill level is there. Um, our our job uh, from a league office standpoint is going to be to provide uh, the foundation of which um, all of our teams can use to recruit the best players in the nation. So what you have been watching either live or on TV improves every year. And you see 10 to 15 division one recruits on every one of our NCDC teams. That's a long-term goal and it's a lofty goal, but we'll get there. Yeah, and, and especially when, you, when you've done it before, it, there's an ability to do it again. And we've always talked about this NCDC model from day one as, as the new restaurant in the block, right? Until you see someone else eat there, you're always thinking, I'm not sure how good this restaurant is. And you see the guys who started it and it's continued to build, it's continued to grow. And look at the coaches behind the bench. Every single one of these guys has played at a high level, has been through the process, knows the steps to make a good hockey player and knows how to pick out the places to grow a good player into a great one and a great one into expert level expertise. Speaking of expert level expertise, we got to get into the Q and a now we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. We're going to dig in. So for that, always to kick it off, I go to the smart guy on the show and the guy who actually the, the intelligent one, the education guy, it's Lucas Jones, Lucas Q and a started up. Thanks, Dan. And we always like to start the Q&A sort of at the at the very beginning here. And uh, Commissioner, I'd like you to talk us through some of your hockey background uh, with the USHL prospects tournaments and maybe introduce the, the folks at home to, to you as a person, who you are and your background as you've moved through life. So I grew up in Kitchener, Ontario. I'm a dual citizen of the United States and Canada. And of course, everybody who grew up in Canada they say came out of the womb with a pair of skates on, right? I mean, we all wanted to play. And uh, uh, I played at a high level. Um, but as I told the executive committee, when I was at the Kitchener Ranger camp one year and Paul Coffey skated past me like I was standing still and, and roofed it, 
I told my father very quickly, if I wanted to uh, stay involved in this game, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be as a player. So I started coaching like a lot of people do and volunteering my time uh, with the association that I was with. And then I started uh, scouting for the Sioux Greyhounds of the Ontario Hockey League. And I did that for, for nine years. You mentioned Joe Thornton. My first year there was uh, the year that we drafted uh, Joe Thornton with the second overall pick in the OHL draft. But that took me to something that I didn't really know much of, which was spring and summer hockey, because when I played, it just wasn't around. And as a scout, you just go where hockey players are. If they're on the moon, you go there, right? And um, there were good players there, but I found the events weren't uh, very professionally run. And I said, well, I know how to run hockey tournaments. I know who the best players are. I know that these kids and parents want to play. Um, I'll provide value to them. I'll run a great event. And um, I did so from 95 until 2010. And I did so by uh, making a promise to all those players and their parents and the scouts that, that came that only the top players would be allowed to be in attendance. And over those years, over a thousand players went on to the NCAA, Division I hockey. Over a thousand players went to the OHL. 500 of them went to the NHL. I'm not saying that they are, went to those levels because of my event, but it just spoke to the quality of the event um, that, that I was putting on. And then because of that in 2004, when the USHL was really just getting its wings underneath it um, and becoming the tier one league of America, uh, Gino Gasparino, the USHL uh, commissioner at the time, wanted to increase the profile of the USHL to America's best 14 and 16 year old players so that when they decided where they were going to play junior hockey, uh, that it would be in the USHL. And so we created USHL Central Scouting and Combines, and we formed a staff of 10 people across the nation uh, to uh, scout and figure out who these best players were at these age groups. We created identification lists for our teams, no different than the National Hockey League would. And then we invited the top players uh, to events that we had in the spring. And you had to be on those lists. It wasn't just anybody got in. You had to be identified as one of those players. I don't know the exact numbers uh, over the five years, but there were hundreds of players um, that played in those events that ended up going to the, to the US, uh, USHL. Will we do something like that in the USPHL? I don't know, we'll figure it out. Right now we're talking, like I said, to all the owners uh, and the GMs and, and coaches, but we definitely wanna, we wanna raise our profile. We wanna brand the good things that we're doing right now in the USPHL. So when it comes time for young players to consider where they wanna play to develop into the best hockey player they can, that the obvious choice will be the USPHL. I love that. That is, is such a, uh, it's such an all encompassing idea of, of really getting a chance to look at all the different sides of what goes into a successful development program. Because as Dan and I have talked about pretty frequently on this show is that it's, it's not just about the hockey on the ice. It's about the, the scouts that are in attendance, the events that raise the profile, getting these kids, the visibility they need to be scouted, to be looked at and to be successful. Um, I'm interested if, did you learn any lessons um, with your previous experience that you feel you'll be able to take and mold into 
um, the USPHL or anything that you learned from that you might want to uh, bring to the table here? So the one thing I um, would like to be known as, uh, as the commissioner with the USPHL is I want to be a listener and I want to build consensus. Um, I want everybody in the league, uh, whether it be owner, coach, general manager, um, to have a say, to buy into what we're doing. Obviously, there's going to be some disagreements and we'll have to head in a certain direction. That's what leaders, decisions that leaders have to make. But I, I really want to be known as a listener here. And um, not that I haven't been in the past. Obviously, you're always around trying to surround yourself with great people and to listen. But I, I've just met so many knowledgeable people um, already talking to the owners and coaches that I know they're going to be a good help to steer the ship in the direction that we want to we want to go. That's that's great. That's you know so important, especially with a league as big as the USPHL, not just in one region, but all across this. We've been calling it hashtag USPHL Nation. It, it really is hockey in your backyard, and that means that there is a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of perspectives. Um, so you've talked about some of your long-term goals and what you obviously hope to be known for. I'm interested in in the short term. You know, for there's it's it's almost become uh, like a, like a statistic, your first hundred days, right? This is the, the benchmark of, of a new leader. So talk about what your goals are in your first year as commissioner. So let's talk about the first hundred days because um, with uh, the ownership groups and uh, with uh, the executive committee, we've talked about the first hundred days being my USPHL MBA program where I get to talk to everybody and I get to hear everything good about the USBHL and I get to hear about the things that we need, need improvement on so that I can, um, I can focus uh, a plan moving forward. Of course, all this has been muddled by COVID, right? I mean, emergency call after emergency call, trying to figure out how can we um, lawfully and safely for our players play the game. And uh, so it's, it's been a, a, a bit of a, a blinding experience here over the course of, I don't know what it has been, two, three, four weeks. I can tell you this, um, the long-term plan uh, will end up having one result. And that is maybe other than the USPH, or excuse me, other than the USHL, um, we want to be the number one supplier to Division One NCAA hockey in the nation, period. And so what goes into that? Well, that's what we're forming right now. And uh, so ask me that question the next time I'm <laughs> what the actual <laughs> goal is or what the actual uh, plan will be to get us to that goal. But I can tell you right now, the goal won't change. We're going to be really good. I love that. And, and, you know, you talk about that, that USHL background to it, right? And understanding kind of the, the process of how they became what they are today and how they became so big. And we're watching the NCDC, the USPHL, do a lot of the same things to, to gradually grow, right? And, and now in the premier, one, one thing I always, I always champion this premier division, right? I love this USPHL premier, 62 squads in it. You look at it, it's nationwide. 
I mean, can you talk about the benefits an athlete gets, a young developing hockey player gets from playing in a league where it, it spans from Maine down to Estero, Florida, out as far southwest as, as San Diego and Anaheim, all the way up to Southern Oregon. Can you, can you talk about the, the experience for an athlete and what getting to play hockey players from around the entire country can do for your development in your mind? So I'm just going to give you my first experience of watching one game um, in the USBHL at the premier level. So I went to a game in Wesley Chapel, Florida um, this past week, and the event is, a, or the, the, uh, the, uh, the arena is a world-class arena. They had the Four Nations women's tournament there. I mean, everything about it screams Olympics. And so when you start right there, um, the facility that these kids at the premier and elite level were playing at, and I know some of the other facilities down here in Florida, they're top notch. The other thing that um, is interesting where we're located because we're coast to coast, I like the fact that there's so many kids that will be able, if they want, to play hockey in their own backyard and live under their own roof. Yeah, do we have billets? Of course we do, it's a big country. But the one thing that I've also learned uh, in talking to the owners is they really care about the people that have taken care of these young men. So when I see the facilities, when I see the coaching, when I know about the billets, what an opportunity for these premier and elite players. And like I said before, maybe they jump to the NCDC and then Division One, or maybe they take this, like I know we have an event coming up in Florida, knock on wood, where they've already have thir uh, 30, I think, Division Three schools committed to coming in and watching this. Maybe, maybe they set themselves up right in the premier level for the rest of their lives by getting an education starting with their hockey right there. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the events. The event down in Florida, we love every year, no matter where it's hosted. We head down. I mean, last year when it was in Tampa, you look at the, the names that came in, that sign-in sheet. We got a chance to talk with a lot of the scouts as we do at all these showcases. And you get a chance to have an event there. Then you have an event in Chicago going on. You have events up in the Northeast. It's an absolute awesome way for these young athletes to find those opportunities at the Division Three and the ACHA levels then you go to the NCDC, and, and what I love here is it's, it's a smaller number of teams now because you're getting towards the end of that development process. Now you're fine-tuning these athletes at the NCDC level, and you don't need to travel across the country. You, know, you don't need to always have the, the numbers. You want to have the quality and the ability to play against top-notch talent every single day. The NCDC, you look at the bus rides – they're minimal, which allows more time for on-the-ice work with your coaching staffs, with your trainers, with, with everybody to work on your skill game. Can you talk about the benefits of the NCDC and kind of playing in the, the footprint of college hockey? So I want to talk about development. You used the word development. I was talking to a coach the other day who had to uh, leave a conversation just a little bit early because they had a practice that was a special competitive practice. And it'll take too long to get into this, but it was something that he and a number of other NCDC coaches 
had um, had come up with so that um, not only were they practicing skills, but later on in the practice, they were actually competing. And the fact that from a showcase standpoint, we're right in the footprint of half of all division one hockey, never mind the division three hockey. I mean, it's there to be had, right? Yeah, and you, you see it with the development that all these coaches put on. You have guys like Toby Harris and, and Mike Anderson and, and the Masters family. I mean, what they're doing there with the Boston Junior Bruins, we call it the, the, the college hockey factory there. I mean, these guys just create Division One talent, and they, they put guys into a system where you know a recruit from that Junior Bruins organization or the Jersey Hitmen you, you know they're going to slot right in wherever you need to put them, whether they need to be a fourth-line grinder or a top D pair mate there. You, you want a netminder. I mean, you look at the goaltenders in this league this year. The stats are incredible. It has been goaltender friendly this season. They've been stopping pucks and giving people trouble, and that is so much fun to watch. I mean, what I want to kind of talk about now with, with my next question here is just the coaches themselves – at the NCDC level. I'm sure you haven't had a chance to talk to every single person yet, but you look at the playing careers of, of these guys, whether it's Toby Harris or Mike Anderson or, or Dan Hodge up in Twin City or Jim Henkel, it, it was a, a, a star playing on the ice. Can you talk a little about the, not just the fact that these coaches are so good at developing players, but the fact that they've been through it. What is the importance of that? A coach that understands the path these players are going through. So I'm going to back up, back up a little bit and give you, give you a little secret. So as I was uh, sitting in my office and making calls to all the coaches, of course, what was the first thing that I did? I, I hockey DB'd every one of them. And surprise, surprise, you see the experience that you're talking about, right? So, I mean, you hit it on the head. I mean, these are people that have, have lived it. I mean, I remember the first call that I made was to an owner, not a coach, Robert Esch uh, of the Utica Comets. And of course, illustrious career in the National Hockey League, represented America, I don't know how many times, like a lot. And um, I looked at his hockey DB and I said, how did a kid from New York end up in Ottawa, Ontario playing junior hockey? And the show is to, the story, the show is too, uh, too, uh, too, too short for me to get into it. But these are people who have experienced a lot. And whether it's him at that level or somebody who played uh, a little bit in the NHL or in the American League or in the East Coast League, or some of these guys just played college hockey. They've been through it before. They've experienced it. And the ones that I have talked to to this point, which is almost all of them, you can feel a passion in their voice for wanting to teach, for wanting to help people get better. And I'm not just talking about um, on the ice. Listen, there's no sense committing to a Division One school or a Division Three school if your marks are no good. Your marks have to be. And so they, they have a responsibility off the ice as well as on the ice. It's just fun to be around. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, we've gotten to know so many of the coaches throughout our our travels all across the country, uh, meeting different coaches from Wisconsin and Florida and all the way up to Maine and, and all the way out to the Midwest. And we hope to get out to, to the West Coast and the Pacific, uh, the Mountain and Pacific divisions as well. Um, but I think you brought up a really good point, which 
you know, some of the parents, and, and there's probably a lot of them out there who are listening right now, this is a crowded junior hockey landscape, and there's a lot of different options out there. But you mentioned something about finding the right fit. And as someone who's gone through the system and now continues to work in the system, how important is it to find the right fit for a player as opposed to just a generic prestigious, in air quotes, uh, team or league option? So one thing you're going to hear me talk a lot about uh, during my tenure is keeping your promises, uh, providing value. Um, you know, sometimes, um, it's just a gut have when you're talking people, talking to coaches or, or general managers of these organizations, ask a lot of questions. I mean, I know it can be intimidating for parents a lot of the times to ask questions and you don't want to be annoying, but, um, ask questions to make sure that the building is going to be right. Um, or where you fit in the team, uh, what the potential is. And you'll, you know, you'll get a feel for uh, whether um, it's right or not. And if it doesn't feel right, then maybe there's, uh, there's another place. Um, I mean, the obvious key is hard work. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. I mean, you can go from, I don't know, the Florida Panthers to the Tampa Bay Lightning um, because you think it's a better fit over at the Tampa Bay Lightning. But if you're not the hardest worker on the ice, it's not, gonna, it's not gonna work out so well. So, I mean, just by asking questions and then backing it up by being the hardest worker in the gym, on the ice, in the classroom, coaches wanna find people like that. Those are successful people. Those are people that win, that advance as a group to the next level. It, it all works out for those people. I love it. And an absolute awesome time chatting with you. We have one more question that we, we normally ask this to owners of teams, coaches, players, as we talk to them about their organizations. In this case, we're going to ask a, a, in an elite-centric way. Then we'll have Lucas do his academic corner and come back with your, your parting words for the folks at home, which is how we all close things out here. But before we get to those last two things, my final question of the Q&A for you. We have a lot of parents, a lot of players a lot of prospective players, whether playing in other junior hockey leagues right now or working their way through the ranks that, that reach out to us on a daily, weekly basis and, and ask us, you know, how do I make the right steps? How do I know I'm doing the right things? How do you know, how do I know I'm going through the recruiting process correctly? All, all this type of stuff. And we always try to keep them informed. In your case, taking over the helm of the USPHL, our favorite junior hockey league and in my mind the the premier experience in junior hockey for players from all ages all ranges of play could you say why pick the usphl if i'm a player a parent looking for my next step why pick one of the great organizations in the united states premier hockey league well i think uh i think we've touched on our, on our already i mean you take a look at the facilities that we have on and off the ice you take a look at the coaching that we have. Uh, you take a look at the uh, educational requirements that uh, we have. I mean, the whole package is there. And uh, the growth of our league speaks to the point that we're doing the right thing. And uh, 
we're just going to throw a little gasoline on the fire here over the course of the next number of years, if that's okay with you guys. <laughs> oh, we're ready for it. I am all about, you, you should see my suits. You'll, when you bump into me at our first event, you're going to hopefully not roll your eyes too hard. You know, that's going to be, it, it's, it's if Don Cherry and Doc Emmerich met uh, Vince Scully when I get out there. So it'll be, we will throw gasoline on the fire with you all year long, all season long for the next couple of years. Love it. So with that, we're going to run real quick to the academic corner and then come back to Commissioner Bob Turo with his parting words for today's episode. Lucas, remind those players and parents that, just like Commissioner Turo said, it is not just about what happens on the ice and your performance there. You've got to perform in the classroom as well. Let's go to our educational expert, Lucas Jones. Thanks, Dan. And the words of advice I'm going to give you today are very much a platitude. You've heard them before. They're written in cursive on many a reclaimed wood piece in a classroom. Uh, and it's that every day is a new experience to learn. But hopefully, I've sort of engendered your, your respect and your trust with my almost a decade now as an educator, that it's not just a platitude, because there is truly something that can be learned in every moment of every day, but only if you're looking for it, only if you're ready to receive that learning moment, every single experience can potentially teach you something. You can learn, as we've all had to learn, about new ways to, to simply exist in a space, new ways that we've had to be more conscious of where we're standing, not being too close to people, always remembering uh, a mask, remembering to wash our hands. It could be something as more complex as you go to a class and you learn something new, but in order to accept that knowledge, you first have to accept that you didn't know something before. And that in itself is a skill that some people do need to work on, that ability to say, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I didn't know that fact. And it can be something as maybe deceptive as just going for a walk, having a conversation. You're learning more information about a person. You're learning that person's tendencies and you're learning how to be a better person. And that's one of the things the USPHL has done so well and has, has harped on is not just building a better hockey player, but also building better people. But in order for that lesson to sink in, you have to want to become that better person. You have to take stock of the world around you and be ready at all times to learn. Awesome words from Lucas yet again. Remember, folks, the junior hockey playing experience the whole way through. If you don't do it in the classroom, what's happening on the ice doesn't matter. We got to do it both. We have to, we have to make it happen. With that, we've had an incredible time talking with Commissioner Bob Turo. We go to Mr. Commissioner for his parting words for the folks at home. How, how do you want to close this thing out? Um, we're going to be a league that you're going to see increasing numbers of Division I NCAA players coming out of and come be a part of it absolutely love it my word this week as we close out i always try to attach it to our guest each week and i'm using the word care because that's what this league does all right this league cares this league has a, an unbelievable ability to not just grow the athlete but grow the human being and they do it in every level from top to bottom from cradle to college, this, this hire, uh, Commissioner Bob Turo, this is yet another step along the road of showing athletes that their experience matters. 
and that their growth matters and getting them to the next level is what this is all about. And, and that's what you got to do. You got to care, folks. You got to care whether you're a league. You got to care if you're two hockey hosts traveling the country covering hockey. And you got to care if you're one of those players out there listening to us. And the way you care is not just for yourself, but for those around you. You know, you, you wear your mask, you keep yourself safe and healthy, and you keep playing this great game of hockey we love. I always love the old saying, family, right? Forget about me. I love you. That's what it's all about for you guys out there on the ice. Keep playing hard. Keep battling. We thank Commissioner Bob Turrell for joining us for an incredible time, an incredible conversation. We thank the Elite Junior Profiles, EliteJRProfiles.com, a proud presenter and sponsor of the Dan K Show. And we thank the greatest league in all the land, the United States Premier Hockey League. They give us an opportunity to travel the country and cover the game we love and watch some of the best hockey on the planet. Thank you for watching, hockey fans. You want to follow us at the underscore Dan K Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram www.dankshow.com to learn more about the most watched show in junior hockey. Remember, when Dan K's on the mic, it's always hockey night.